0: Superman, Flyby, written by J.J. Abrams, adapted by Tim Maxwell. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're watching this and not taking shelter underground, we urge you to do so immediately. Anywhere. Anywhere you can find. Just a month ago, this report would have seemed ludicrous aliens using Earth as a battleground. But that was before Superman.
1: I'm disappointed. I expected a better fight.
2: Mena, Krypton. Twenty-nine years earlier. This is Jor-El. This is the day I had dreaded for so long. But our city. My city. The city of Mena is under attack. A powerful army led by my own brother, Kata Zor, is here to stop prophecy from being fulfilled.
3: Please, Ja'el, there has to be something, something else we can do. He's our son, our baby.
2: My love, we have no time, you know that. Look at us now, Kalel, so that one day you might remember us. They're coming, Lara. Go to Taga. He'll provide you refuge far away from here.
3: You aren't coming?
2: I can't go now, but you must. I will see you again.
4: King Jeril, the barrier's been broken. They've
0: crossed the border into Mina. They're coming.
4: Jorel, listen
0: to me. They attack from the east and the south. Our defenses are destroyed.
4: Sir, tell me you see a way out.
2: Yes, but the solution I have is for another day. So we battled Katazor's army. We gave it everything we had. We battled until I was the last man standing. Except. I wasn't standing at all. Their greatest weapon, a robot called a rouser, was holding me to the ground. It's then that my brother approached. I can still
4: hear your voices in my head. You and Father, returning from worship, singing the songs of Menna. He always had plans for you, didn't he? <laughs> Can you imagine what he would say now, seeing me standing like this over you? Father would know, as I do, that you won't be standing for long. Your religion's over, jor Bid your holy land farewell. <laughs> the ashes of Mena will soon darken the sky. That's right. I'm going to turn this city into a crater. I know you sent the boy off planet, but I will find him. That pod could be headed for any one of a thousand planets. Then I'll send a thousand men.
2: I was taken into captivity that day and using that machine, a rouser, my brother Catazor blew the city of Mena to nothing. My only solace is that Lara was taking refuge, and my son is on his way to a new world.
0: My name is Jonathan Kent. I live with my wife, Martha, in Smallville, Kansas, where nothing, and I mean nothing, exciting happens. But that all changed one morning. Martha and I were eating breakfast when, boom, something crashed right next to our house. We quickly ran outside and found what looked like a spacecraft. We didn't know what it was at first, But it was a true spectacle. But even more so, was the occupant. A baby boy, not even a year old. Martha fell in love with that baby. And though I was apprehensive at first, we decided to, well, you guessed it, take him in and raise him as our own. But it didn't take long to realize that this was no ordinary baby. One day, shortly after taking him in, he threw our couch through the front door just to get his ball. We were stunned, beyond belief. <clears throat> Honey, we should probably talk about this. Listen
3: to me. This child is alone. He has no family. He obviously didn't come from anywhere near here.
0: I'm just saying, our sofa's on the front lawn.
3: Yes, he might have certain attributes that other children don't.
0: That's one way to put it.
3: Why or how that is, we may never know. But look at him. Jonathan, look at this beautiful boy. He's everything.
0: He certainly is strong.
3: Then we teach him restraint to control himself. As parents, that's something we'd need to do anyway.
0: While that's true, honey, normally our lives wouldn't be at risk.
3: This boy is an angel. Look at that face. That smile. Are you our little Clark Gable? Our strong little Clark Gable? (laughs) Hey, do you like that, Jonathan? Clark?
0: I'm going to go outside. Check on our living room furniture. You stay here with Clark.
3: I'm going to get you, Clark. (laughs) You can't get away from the tickle monster, can you?
0: As Clark grew older, Martha and I discovered his many super abilities. Aside from his incredible strength and speed... Clark had amazing senses, such as x-ray vision, super hearing, and heat vision. We had to warn Clark that he was different, and that the rest of the world did not have the same abilities that he had. As you can imagine, it was very troubling for Clark. Clark was picked on at school, had to refrain from playing sports, and felt like an utter outcast
5: the other kids think I can't play. Clark, that's crazy. No, it's not. They're right. I can't throw, or hit, or jump, or kick. Not for real. Not in front of anyone. So, it always ends up looking like I can't do anything.
0: I know it doesn't feel like it. But your secret? The things you're able to do? It's a gift.
5: No, Dad, you always say that but a gift is something you want. I'm sick of being afraid that someone might see me do something and realize I'm different. Dad, they already think I'm different.
0: It's for your own good.
5: How? They think I'm a weirdo. They make fun of me all the time. It's not fair. You and Mom didn't have this problem. How come I do?
0: Little did Clark know at the time, But he was not our biological son. Only in time would he learn the truth of who he was and where he came from. The day he learned to fly was the same day he learned that he wasn't our son. Clark was in the barn one day using his X-ray vision to see what we got him for Christmas what a great kid, right? Well, while in the barn that day, he also stumbled upon the craft that brought him here. He found the suit that was inside. And yep, 12-year-old Clark put it on. It was way too big on him then, but he didn't care. He thought it was cool, which it was. It was very cool. He ran through the fields, jumping, Jumping higher and higher until he was flying. As soon as he saw us pull up in our truck, he landed on the ground. Martha and I were surprised, but at the same time, we knew this day would come. It was time to have a very difficult conversation with Clark.
5: I was just having fun. I didn't know I'd fly. I had no idea I could fly. Clark. I knew I could jump, but not fly. And then I was trying to figure out was it the cape? The suit? Or was it just me? I, it can't be. It's you.
0: The same way your eyes work differently than other kids. The same way you're stronger. When you were little, a few times,
4: you flew.
3: I flew when
5: I was little?
0: I did?
3: You know how much we love you.
0: Clark, that vehicle, the thing you found in the barn, that's what brought you here.
3: (sighs) What? You're not from here, from Smallville. Sweetheart, you're not from this planet
6: you're
0: gonna figure this out one day and you're gonna understand why you can do the things you can why you're here i'm telling you clerk you're gonna grow up be the first kent to go to college and you'll figure it out
5: i know dad and one day you'll be proud of me
0: son i'm already proud
3: My name is Martha Kent. Raising Clark was the joy of my life. But it was certainly far from easy. Trying to keep him from using his abilities in public, that was tough. His vision alone was something else. One day we were at the supermarket. Loretta Lang was there. Clark said, "'Mom, how come that lady isn't wearing underwear?' which we all know is true about Loretta. (laughs) So Jonathan and I came up with the idea of getting some special glasses made up with some lead specks in the glasses, you know, to help with his eyes. I think they help a little, but I think one of the things that mystified me to the most was the day I took Clark to the Metropolis Natural History Museum. He was eight years old, He saw Loretta's daughter there. What was her name? Um, Lana. Lana? Lana, that's right. Lana Lang. Clark really liked Lana, but like most kids, she thought he was weird. But anyways, Clark and I were walking through the exhibit when suddenly Clark got a sharp pain and collapsed on the floor. We never knew why or what caused the reaction, but Clark had collapsed right in front of a large meteorite. It was massive, but it was huge, sharp spiked and entirely green. Let's just say we didn't go there again. So, as Clark grew up, he always had trouble fitting in and he never could really figure out what to do in life. All of that changed in college when he met Lois, Lois Lane. Oh, boy, (laughs) was he charmed by Lois. But I'll let Clark tell you that story.
7: College was tough, just like every other aspect of my life. I avoided all social functions, but my roommate Jerry finally convinced me to go to a frat party. And boy, am I glad he did. I didn't even go inside. Uh, I just couldn't. I was too nervous, as always. I was about to just leave when she walked out. She seemed uneasy, bothered. Great party.
8: It sucks. I cannot believe I'm here. Me neither. This girl from high school, Abby Farmer, she and I are going to be freshmen here next year. She said we needed to come tonight. We needed to network but we're not even friends. The only reason she wanted me to come was so she wouldn't show up alone. I predicted this would happen. Now Abby's almost unconscious, upstairs with some 300-pound, former Lincoln High all-star football doughhead, and I'm stuck out here waiting for her to be done so that I can drive the three hours back home while she's passed out riding shotgun. Great party. Your fly's undone.
7: Oh, uh...
8: Maybe I need to lighten up. Just try and network. So, what class are you in? What's your major?
7: I'm, uh... I'm a senior. And undeclared.
8: An undeclared senior?
7: Oh, well that was a nice... non-judgmental reaction.
8: I'm sorry, that was rude.
7: I just don't know what I want to do yet. That's all. I have... Some other... issues I'm still working on.
8: Don't listen to me. I'm a freak. I just want to skip all this and get on with it. With what? With life. With work. With things that actually matter. Not this.
7: So what do you want to do?
8: I want to be the voice of people who go through life unheard.
7: Wow. Huh. I don't understand what that means.
8: I'm gonna graduate in three years, move to the city, and start writing for the Daily Planet. I'm gonna be a journalist. That's my plan. You think I'm peculiar. Overly optimistic, oddly ambitious. You think it's silly to want to help the underdog.
7: Uh, uh that's. N- none of that was what I was thinking. So, what's your name?
8: Lois Lane. The abnormal Lois Lane.
7: So that was it, my first encounter with the abnormal Lois Lane. But like Ma said, I was charmed by Lois. There was just something about her. Maybe it's the way she smells, I don't know. But I was inspired by her. Fast forward a few years and it's my first day on the job at the Daily Planet, in the beautiful city of Metropolis. Quite a change for a small town boy like me, right? But hey, what's the worst that could happen?
9: This is the break room. This is where breaks occur. Microwave, fridge, coffee, evil bagel slicer. Don't use it. Promise me. Foreign desk is over there. Sports, business, travel, photography, which is what I do. I'm a photographer, but I really want to get into TV. Network news, on camera reporting, but that's really hard to break into. And we're home. This is your desk. And here's your nameplate. I made it for you.
7: Oh, thanks, Jimmy. It's. My name's not Clark. You're not Clark Kent? Clark Kent.
9: Oh, Clark. Yeah,
7: Clark didn't make any sense. There's a reporter who works here. I was wondering if she. Ugh.
5: Oh.
8: What's the prob, Lois? Uh, the system's the prob? The inequity of the world's the prob? that the average citizen is unknowingly violated by the whims of unprincipled billionaires? And you know why? He got a call from Luther's legion of lawyers threatening legal action. Apparently, my piece is a libelous misrepresentation of an issue Luther's addressing at the LexCorp shareholders meeting this afternoon. So I'm going over there.
9: Wait, what? Does Perry know?
8: No, I'm out of here. See ya, Jimmy.
9: and there she
10: goes. Clark Kent. Yes, sir. It's your first day. Shadow Lois. She'll show
7: you the ropes. Yes, thank you, sir. So, Lois, what? what's the dirt on Luther?
8: Dirt's a good word. I heard him speak a few months ago. Accepting a humanitarian award, of all things. Something about him just creeped me out. You must have that sometimes, right? Instincts about people?
7: Uh, on occasion?
8: You got a cell phone? Yeah. He's spying on you right now.
7: Uh, I don't understand.
8: All you have to know is this. Luther's a deceitful, immoral, scheming, unethical toad. Now come on, we gotta get to Lexcorp.
11: Lex Corp. Yep, that's my company. My name is Lex Luthor. I'm sure you've heard of me. I'm pretty awesome, handsome, brilliant, and very, very rich. This wasn't always the case, though. I spent many years unsuccessfully trying to make my way to the top. But one fateful night changed everything. Many years ago, on a dark, rainy night, I was driving home after losing yet another job when I noticed something, something in the sky. I was horrified at what I saw. It was like a blazing yellow-red comet streaking through the sky. It landed just over a small hill, so I quickly pulled over and ran to the wreckage. What I saw was a truck-sized pod, badly damaged, the cockpit shattered. Chunks of green rocks all around it. Suddenly, the occupant of the pod grabbed me by the neck. It freaked me out at first. But then something amazing happened. It was a transcendent moment. This once-mysterious being began filling my head with knowledge. Incredible, deep knowledge of things I had never heard of. My hair began to fall out, the rain washing it away. And then finally, the occupant, who I know now is a Kryptonian... Died right before me. His mission, his purpose, his knowledge now became mine. Now two things became very clear that night. This was one of the thousands of pods that were sent by Catazor to find and kill Cal L. Fast forward several years, and I'm now the CEO of the powerful conglomerate known as LexCorp. And today I'm about to make a wonderful announcement. Here we go. In this quarter, in this economy, we have surpassed earning estimates across the board. In fact, we're doing so well that one of you kind shareholders recently told me that I should run for president. And I do have to say... I am getting a little bored with my little square office, but an overworld. I'll save my political agenda for another time. For now, I have work to do. For you. While I may be good at bragging, I'm also able to admit when LexCorp can do better. That's why next week, we're releasing a firmware update to our luthanium chip, which will make all luthanium-powered phones and computers that much more secure.
8: Mr. Luther, isn't it true that you knew the chip had security issues months ago? Didn't an employee make you aware of this glitch six months before the luthanium chip was to be brought to market? Isn't it true that your intention was to market a chip that would allow you to spy on your customers?
11: For those of you unfamiliar, allow me to introduce the conspiracy theorist, Lois Lane.
8: What is it you're looking for, Mr. Luther? Lois, come on. Not right now, Clark.
11: At the moment, I'm simply looking for some courtesy. We're on our way out, thanks. And there you have it, Lois Lane currently my greatest enemy, eager to prove herself young enough to think she's invincible, and I can't keep putting out her fires. So, I'm gonna put it to you plainly. I'm gonna have to put her out of the game.
7: So we made it back to the Daily Planet, after that little incident at LexCorp. I went straight to my desk, arranging it for the first time. Where to put the pen cup... There? No. There. Good. Then I glance over at Lois. Trying to find the right moment. Okay. Here we go. Hey, Lois. You asked before if I have instincts about people. I, uh, yeah, I do. Sometimes. I actually had one about you years ago. We've met before, you and I. At MU, remember? That party at Gamma House? You were an incoming freshman. I was a senior, undeclared. It was your first party. You'd driven there with a friend, Abby.
8: Are you sure it was me?
7: Am I sure it was you? Of course. We were on the back porch. You were wearing a red sweater. It was 1016.
8: I'm sorry, and I usually have a really good memory.
7: It doesn't matter. I only brought it up because you sort of inadvertently helped give me a direction that night. I did? Yeah. And I just wanted to
10: say thank you. I just spent 45 impossibly unpleasant minutes on the phone with Luther's attorneys defending you against a slander suit. Lois, if you ever behave that way again, I'll fire you from every job you'll never get. Yes, sir. You have no problem working on the weekend, do you?
8: Not at all, why?
10: You and Jimmy are in the pool, Air Force One. Air Force One? First thing in the AM, and you weren't my first choice. So don't get cocky. And Clark, learn how to spell your name. Yes, sir.
8: Oh my gosh, Jimmy's going to freak.
7: Congratulations.
8: Thank you. I'll see you tomorrow. Wait a second. I remember now. Your fly was undone.
11: Yes, (sighs) it was. (laughs) Miles from Metropolis is where I really do my work. Some might call it my secret lair. Whatever. It's the Kelvin Observatory, long since abandoned. I've converted it into a technological research lab. This is where I keep my Kryptonian pod I found years ago. While still in disrepair from its crash landing, the thing has been worked on for years. I've got chunks of the green rock on examination tables... There's also a giant glass water tank that I use for a number of experiments. In any event, I'm working in here today for one reason. Air Force One. Occupied today by Lois Lane and the President of the United States. Let's kill two birds with one stone. That's right. I'm taking down Air Force One. And I don't need ammunition. No bombs. No nothing luthanium chips help power that aircraft, all I gotta do is mess with the code and down it will go.
0: where in the sky. This plane will crash. Where remains to be seen. There's this
1: little hope for Air Force One. God bless the people on that airplane.
11: Air Force One was spinning out of control. It was glorious, to say the least. Right until a costumed man who I only at the time could describe as a human bullet, blurred through the sky and caught the plane. Yeah, you heard me right. A man saved Air Force One.
0: (sighs) Ladies and gentlemen, this is what's being reported. Air Force One is being carried to safety by a man. A man in blue with, uh... This has to be
4: a sick joke. With a red cape.
11: The hero lowered a plane into a baseball stadium of all places. Gotta give it to him. He saved the day. Ah, the people went wild. They loved it. And for a moment, so did I. It was a religious moment for me. Because this hero could only be one person. Cal L. And I always knew that one day, I would find him.
7: Hello? Clark? Oh. Hi, Mom. Hey. Hey. Did you see on the news?
3: Yes, I did.
7: Can you believe that was me? I know. You always said, don't do it. Don't show anyone. It's dangerous. So don't be mad. But that was me. That was me!
3: Sweetheart.
7: I didn't even know if I could do it. I mean, fly. It's been so long.
3: Your father, honey. He... He's passed away. That was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. To tell Clark that his father had passed away. As it turned out, Jonathan was outside listening to his radio, listening to the coverage of the Air Force One story. He knew. He knew that it was his son that saved the day. He was so proud. He rushed to the house to tell me, but that's when the heart attack I tried not to tell Clark how it happened, but he knew. He just knew. After the funeral, we we finally had time to just sit down and talk about it.
7: It happened in the field. Why was Ted running in? He had his radio, didn't he? It was because of me. I'm never doing it again. Putting on that darn suit.
3: I will not let you blame yourself for this. I just won't have it. Your father was proud of you. So you... Still haven't told me what it was like. Saving that airplane.
7: It was... It was unusual. I was at my apartment when I saw it on the news. I just... Grabbed my suit and literally had to give myself a pep talk to get out there and fly. Lois was on the plane. I wanted to make sure she was okay. So afterwards, I walked up to her, you know, just to check. Then, the way she looked at me. No girl's ever looked at me like that. It was like she saw me. She didn't even recognize me as Clark. She called me a... Superman.
3: Did you ask her out?
7: Mom, I was wearing a cape.
3: True. Still, any girl worth your time won't care what you're wearing.
7: Well, that's sweet, but...
3: Or what job you have. Or how much money. What she'll really care about is who you are.
7: Losing my dad was... Painful. It hurt. I felt responsible. Had I not gone out there, Exposed myself and my powers to the world, Perhaps my dad would still be alive. I'm at a point where I don't really know who I am, Or what I'm supposed to be. I spent one more day with my mom in Smallville, That changed everything. I was going through my father's things... When I found a small pouch Inside were five off-shaped Coin-sized silver pieces Ma told me that they were a gift She told me that Thirty years ago A man came to the door And said his truck broke down And that he needed help And a place to stay Ma said the three of them Stayed up talking Almost all night And that the man Kept asking them questions And that he was so curious These silver pieces Were a gift to say thank you I guess he said that, where he was from, they were considered good luck. I put the five pieces together. I don't know why I did, but it just made sense to me. And when I did, I was shocked. These pieces made up the negative space that makes up the S on my suit. My blood ran cold when I saw that. Then Ma went and grabbed an old photo album and showed me a photograph of the man. Somehow, he looked familiar to me at this pivotal moment of my life. Ma said something that really inspired me.
3: Sweetheart, your father and I always said that you were here because you were the answer to our prayers. But we both always knew it had to be so much more than that. We just didn't know what. Nothing scared us more than the idea that someone would find out that you'd be taken away from us. That's why we tried so hard, to make you seem normal. Clark, maybe normal was the last thing you were supposed to be. Maybe you're the answer to everyone's prayers.
7: That's when I decided to be Superman. I would listen, listen to the world's cries for help. Distant screams, desperate pleas, gunfire, explosions. Then off I would go. I began flying across the globe, stopping robberies, putting out fires, Saving helpless people. And when asked who I was, I would tell them. I'm Superman. But I still had another job to do at the Daily Planet. But no one knew. No one knew that I was Superman. Not even Lois.
8: And 48 hours after the astonishing rescue of Air Force One, while a seeming infinite number of questions remain, we are left with a new, definitive answer to a most profound question. Is there hope for this world? Suddenly, amazingly, resoundingly, yes. You don't like it?
10: You're young. Which is annoying. You're too enthusiastic, idealistic, reckless. But I was the one who assigned you that flight. And you're a talented kid. I would have missed you. Uh,
8: Mr. White? I, I don't know what to say.
10: Tell one person I said that. I'll deny it, and you'll be looking for work.
8: I won't say a word.
10: He's back.
9: Who? Lois's fashion-challenged boyfriend. Jimmy. Hey, I saw the way you looked at him after he saved us. You're in love. I know it. Now, come on. You guys got to see the news.
3: The so-called Superman has re-emerged. This time in London, where a dual heist was underway. Excuse me, we have yet another breaking news that the Superman was spotted again. This time in Innsbruck, Austria, where he apparently reversed a massive avalanche. by, And I'm quoting a witness, taking a deep breath and blowing the snow... Back up the mountain
0: The coal miners were trapped for only two hours When Superman burrowed through the earth Rescuing them from certain death He was in
1: Honduras Do you have the report from Hong Kong? I got a witness in Egypt on line three Hey
9: Clark, you're back Can you believe this guy? Who? Who? Uh, let me think Superman? Maybe you should watch the news you're supposed to be reporting
7: That was me How's your mom? She'll be alright
11: Thanks your back. I want to thank the members of the press. I'm using you today as a conduit to send a simple message to this visitor, this Superman. I've come into possession of some crucial information for you, Cal L, Superman. If you can hear this, my name is Lex Luthor. Come see me as soon as possible.
7: I heard Luther's invitation, loud and clear, and wasted no time. And as Superman, I went and visited Lex
11: Luthor in his office. Wow, you're you're fast. I'm Lex Luthor. You used a
7: word on TV. You said kal What does that mean?
11: What does it mean? You don't know. Hmm. Hmm, <laughs> hmm. Would you like a drink? No, thank you. Considering what I'm about to say, you're gonna need one. I said no, and I asked you a question. One evening, three decades ago, I had an encounter. I was enlightened. I learned quite a bit that night, including the possibility that an alien was living here, among us. On Earth, a unique child named Cal L. That's you. Cal, we are like twins, you and I. I knew it the instant I learned about you, both cast away as infants, rejected by the societies into which we were born, lost souls. That night, I was also made aware of advanced science. Technology no human could ever conceive. So I used that knowledge, that innovation, to find you. Listening to the world for any hint that you might exist. Cal, you're the reason LexCorp exists at all. You've been looking for me. For almost 30 years. Yeah. So we can finally come together. As architects that can save this planet. Really? I'm proudest of this achievement. Because this was mine, my own thought. This isn't something I was just given that night. I call it my manifesto. Here, take a look. Through the years, my theories have been proven right time and time again. I know I have the vision to pull this off. The intellect. You, you have everything else. You want countries destroyed? I wouldn't say it like that. I want to preserve the Earth. Give it structure. By eliminating entire cultures? Well, yeah, some people are gonna have to go. And while that may sound radical, Cal, read the manifesto. People say that you're a deceitful, immoral,
7: scheming, unethical toad. But it's even worse than that.
11: You're insane. I'm gonna make sure you're put away. Hey, little piece of advice. You don't want me for an enemy. People are looking for you, Cal. And trust me when I say, you don't want them to find you. Bye, Lex. For now.
2: Meanwhile on Krypton, things were only getting worse. I, Jor-El, am still being held captive by my brother, Katazor. I'm chained to the wall, my lips chapped. Dried blood, scars, and filth cover my body. Katazor has spent years torturing me in my cell, in hopes of getting me to disclose the whereabouts of my son, Khal. But I have been resilient up until now. Katazor also has a son, only a couple years younger than mine. His name is Taizor. He is completely untamed, arrogant and out of control. Everyone fears him, even his own father. Taizor has hunted down my wife, Lara, and captured her, bringing her here. They threatened her. I was ready to give in, but Lara told me not to do it. She told me to stay strong, not to give up, that we were so close. That's when Tyzor slaughtered my wife. Right before my eyes. Even Katazor was shocked, fearful of his own son. I. I was devastated. So I gave them nothing. I would never speak. They would never find Kalel. But then came a day. I could hear my brother and his son speaking from down the hall of the prison.
4: Tizor, a word with you. We received the transmission. We've located Kalel.
1: You know what they would say, the slaves? They believe in him.
4: Yes. Their beliefs, however, are of no concern to
1: us. Perhaps they should be. Why take the risk? You know as well as I, we can't afford to. Send me. I will go alone, and I will return. In that regard, the prophecy will prove accurate. Then
4: go, kill him, and destroy the place that gave him safe haven.
8: My name is Lois Lane. You've met me by now, so I'll skip the introduction. Let's skip to the good part. Superman. Superman. When he saved us, wow, it was incredible. We all thought we were good as dead. Me, Jimmy, the President of the United States. Oh, and you should have seen when Superman landed the plane in that stadium. It was glorious. The crowd went nuts. But can you believe when we all got off that plane, Superman walked right by the President and straight to me. He wanted to make sure I was okay. Me. He took my breath away. After that, this superman became a sensation. He was all over the news, all over the world. I do hope to see him again. Until then, it's back to work. And boy, have I been busy. Everyone wants to talk to me after what happened.
9: Jimmy. Hold on, Clark. I'm on the phone. I don't think Miss Lane's going to be available to be on your little show, but I'll tell her you requested her. Thank you. Sorry, Clark. Since Superman blew off the press, everyone wants an interview with Little Miss Lane. Where is she? She's over at the Foreign Desk.
7: Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for asking. Lois, you got a minute? Sure. It's about Luther. I've been reading up on him, doing a little digging myself. I think he's actually pretty dangerous, and that maybe you should stay away from him.
8: What are you talking about? Hey, did you see his press conference asking Superman to come hang out? Can you stand the guy's nerve?
6: I
7: need to tell you something. Something important. Something you might not... That you won't even believe, actually. Okay. And I... Um, I've never said this to anyone before.
8: Oh my gosh, Clark. What? I... Listen. I... I could tell.
7: You... You could tell?
8: Yeah. When you told me the other night that we'd met before, I could see that you... Clark, you seem like a really sweet guy, but I'm not dating anymore. I can't. I'm no good in relationships anyway. I fall for the wrong guys. It's just a really stupid pattern.
7: Uh Uh-huh.
8: And this isn't an excuse. This is for real. I mean, classic me, the first guy I really feel something for, right? And maybe forever? Is probably not even human. So there you go. Superman? Such a cliche. Don't even... Of course I fall for the guy who, you know, flies right? You don't want anything to do with me. And look at you. For any other girl, you're a catch. A little stiff, a little, you know, but really cute. Just, if you can loosen up a little, what do you do with your hair?
7: I don't really... And
8: you should think about laser surgery, because I think you without glasses would be much... Wayne! Clark, I'm sorry. My story's late.
7: That's okay. I understand.
8: I'm... I'm flattered, though.
7: Lois, he called for you. Uh, Superman.
8: Is this you being mean?
7: No, he called. At least, he said it was him. He wants to meet you on the roof. Tonight. Eight o'clock.
8: Superman called for me? Yeah. Eight o'clock. Okay. Okay, thank you. Excellent. Thanks. Eight o'clock, good. So, later that night, I waited for Superman on the roof of the Daily Planet. It was a cold, windy night, but that didn't faze me as I anxiously waited for Superman, wondering if what Clark said was true. Thankfully it was, because he actually showed up. I couldn't believe it, but there he was, landing on the roof just 20 feet away. He walked toward me, and I tensed up like a nervous kid.
7: I'm glad you came.
8: You know I didn't get a chance to thank you. For saving my life.
7: No need to thank me. You saw Lex Luthor's press conference. Yes. I went to see him. You did? He's insane. You know that. I do. Then do me a favor, and stay as far away from him as you can.
8: What? What? I appreciate your concern. I'm perplexed by it, but I appreciate it. But Superman, I'm a reporter. This is what I do. I'm a big girl. I can take care of myself. And why are you doing this anyway? Singling me out at the stadium? Calling me tonight? I mean, why me?
7: You're a good writer.
8: You... you've read my writing?
7: I like what you wrote about flying. Flying.
8: Okay, you read that one? Uh, my editor, total old school, classic, but brilliant guy, was like, You can't write about flying, Lois. You don't fly.
7: Then I'll show you. What? Want to fly?
8: I was completely overwhelmed. Superman held out his hand. Nervously, I took it. He wrapped his arm around me. Then, he gently lifted me off the roof. Two feet? Five feet? 15 feet and then out, over the street far below. Then we flew, oh boy, we flew. We glided around buildings, we flew over the Metropolis Bridge. It was beautiful, experience of a lifetime. When we finally landed on the roof of the Daily Planet, I was speechless, didn't know what to say. Gosh, I made the understatement of the century. That was nice.
7: Listen, Lois. Maybe we could see each other again.
8: How do I get in touch with you?
7: I'll get in touch with you.
8: Yeah? Okay, good to know. And with that, he took off for the sky. Over the next couple weeks, the news coverage of Superman just blew up. He was a sensation. I have to admit, I got a little coverage as well, with one headline reading, Superman's girlfriend? Hmm, maybe. Let's just say the world and I were in love with Superman. But I would soon learn that not everyone felt that way. So, check this out. We've recently been having blackouts in Metropolis. So, I did a little research. Turns out the power is being drained from the old Kelvin Observatory just outside Metropolis. And hmm, guess who owns it? Lex Luthor. I think this is gonna be a big story.
9: Oh, this is Jimmy Olsen reporting from, well, my camcorder. My name is Jimmy Olsen. I said that already, didn't I? Okay, well, I want to get into the TV business, so I'm just getting a little practice. I rode along with Lois Lane for her little investigation on Lex Luthor and the recent blackouts in Metropolis. So, I'm right outside the old Kelvin Observatory. Lois already snuck inside. Should we join her? Ah, what the heck, let's do it! I ain't scared of nothing. Goodness gracious, Lois, how'd you get inside? Don't tell me you climbed this ladder. Oh, boy. Okay, viewers, hold on. I gotta put you in my bag. Okay, I made it to the top. Finally. Oh, thank God for this skylight. I can see inside. Oh, my gosh. Is that Lois? And that's Lex Luther. He's got a gun. Whoa, whoa, wait. Can you hear this? Listen.
11: Look, dropped quickly. I've been reading about you, you and Superman. It sounds like you're pretty close. This sounds very romantic.
9: Jimmy Olsen, the photographer, smallish guy. I work a lot with Lois Lane. I know who you are. What is it? Hurry up. I'm sitting here with Clark. Lois Lane broke into the Calvin Observatory and got grabbed by Lex Luthor. He's got a gun. I wanted to call you first.
10: Darn it. Get back to the office. Clark, go call the police. Clark, where'd you go?
6: (laughs)
2: Meanwhile, on Krypton, Katazor and his group of lieutenants were watching a three dimensional holographic projection of tai Zor. He was arriving in his Rouser on the planet Earth to meet Lex Luthor, the one who led him there, the one who exposed the location of Kal-El.
11: Hello there. My name is Lex Luthor. On behalf of myself, I'd like to thank you for coming. Are there any more of you? Where is my soldier? Ah, yes, you expected a fellow Kryptonian. Instead, you get me. Your colleague, I'm sorry to report, is dead. Sir, it was a nasty landing. I was there. I saw it. But as you can see, my compatriot... I am as loyal to you as your fellow soldier. I will neither harm you nor waste your time. I know you want to kill Cal el Here they call him Superman. They idolize him. They consider him their savior. Where is he? I can give him to you. For someone like you with your considerable abilities, finding Cal el should be simple. Go to one of our cities. Metropolis is just a jump and a skip for you. Just cause some damage. Do some bad things. I guarantee you he'll show up. And when he does, once you've done your thing, I was hoping you might be able to reciprocate. A little quid pro quo. Return the favor and help me with a little facelift I want to give this planet. Certainly, it would be a pleasure to repay you. It was a calculated risk calling you. And I knew it would pay off.
1: Who are you? You look just like her, Kalel. Your mother. She cried, you know, helpless as she was, in that moment, just before I ended her life. Let me see if you cry like her, too, Superman.
2: And then it began. Tyzor fired his blast off at Superman, knocking him to the floor. I
1: said I want to see you cry!
2: Then they began to battle, throwing a volley of punches at each other. They crashed throughout the observatory, slamming into metal shells, knocking chunks of kryptonite to the floor. With the kryptonite nearby, Both Tyzor and Superman began to momentarily weaken. Lex Luthor watched in shock, having a revelation, a plan forming in his mind. Meanwhile, Tyzor took a deep breath and in an angry burst, blew the Kryptonite across the other side of the room, far enough away from him and Superman, slowly regaining their strength. Tyzor then attacked again. Furious, brutal, and unforgiving blows. But Tyzor just kept pounding away until Superman was rendered powerless. Tyzor grabbed Superman and lifted his broken and beaten body, then flew away to the city of Metropolis while Lex Luthor, hatching a plan of his own, Threw Lois into the giant tank. Ah! Taizor arrived in Metropolis and floated in the sky, holding Superman's bloody figure, parading him over the busy street. The madman hurled Superman into the street, sending him pounding the ground like a meteor.
5: Do you idolize him now?
1: Look at him! Do you see your Superman now?
2: Tysor lands near Superman and glares down at him.
1: I'm disappointed. I expected a better fight.
2: And it's her voice, the voice of Lois Lane, that gives Superman the determination and the strength to react. He takes off and bounds into the sky. Tyzor takes off after him, but isn't nearly as fast. Superman arrives at the observatory, and what he sees takes his breath away. Lying at the bottom of a giant, water-filled tank is Lois, beside a giant chunk of glowing green kryptonite. Superman crashes to his knees. His skin blisters. Superman opens his eyes, rolled back, bloodshot, and he screams. Ah! And so does Lois in the water, as if to tell Superman to stay away. Then, behind Superman, Lex Luthor appears, holding a chunk of kryptonite. There's no escape for Superman. Let's talk about
11: your attitude. I tried to include you, Cal, but you threatened me, so this is what you get.
2: Veins begin to appear on Superman's skin as he gets closer to Lois, who is desperate for air, and for Superman to save himself. But through the pain, he moves closer to her, to the tank and the deadly Green Rock.
11: I'm embarrassed that I didn't figure this out sooner. The kryptonite,
2: the rock, the fuel from the ship, that's what killed the soldier they sent to find you. Superman's skin blisters even more, evidence of the devastating effects of kryptonite. Lois cries underwater, knowing that his attempt to save her will mean his life. But he does it anyway, giving everything he has to pound the glass with his fists. Lois furiously shakes her head, the last bit of oxygen bubbling from her mouth. Superman pulls his arm back and strikes the glass again and again. It seems that his efforts are useless, but with every ounce of strength he has left, Superman pulls his arm back and with surprising power he slams it into the glass and it shatters. The water, the rock, and Lois rush out of the tank into the room. Superman collapses as Lois recovers.
6: It's
11: painful, isn't it? Being so close to something so powerful.
2: I mean me, of course. Not the kryptonite. Lex Luthor places a chunk of kryptonite on Superman's chest. And in that instant, Superman breathes his last kal my son, is dead. One down, one to go. But then, as Luthor turns, he is startled as he is face to face with the furious, confident, and vengeful Lois Lane. Before he can even react, Lois attacks him with a series of ferocious blows that send him to the floor, unconscious. <laughs> Meanwhile, Taizor finally arrives at the observatory. Seeing that Superman is dead, he knows it's time to finish his job. He climbs into his rouser and heads back into the city. When he arrives, he offers a terrifying message to the citizens of Metropolis.
1: Your Superman has been killed and this. Price you will pay for sheltering him. The consequence of protecting him, witness the end of your planet.
2: Then, using his rouser, Taizor prepares to destroy the city of Metropolis just like he did Mena. My time has come. It's time for me to pass from this life into the next. It's time for me to die. I'm finally free from my bonds. The blood and scars that once plagued my body are gone. I am now wearing my sovereign robe here in heaven. But most importantly, I am in awe of the sight of my son Kal-El as he approaches. Looking glorious as ever in his Kryptonian uniform. When he sees me, it's as if he knows who I am. You know who I am. You're my father. Kal-El, no words can make up for what we've lost. I've been waiting for this, for years. It was you. You sent me away. Yes, and now, my son, you must go back. Go back? Where? How can I? Because it was written thousands of generations ago to those who believe the prophecy speaks of Krypton. A war waged by and against a single family. It tells of two princes and the battle they will fight we know that of the two, only one prince will return. A prince? I'm no prince. Yes.
7: No. I live on Earth.
2: In a home which I selected. I chose the Kents because they were decent, virtuous. I could see they would raise you well and keep the key safe. The key? Five pieces. The symbols of Mena, each piece a representation, faith, wisdom, courage, love and sacrifice. There is a priest, Hengra. He will explain the key, help you with the knowledge you need. This
7: prophecy, what happens when the Prince returns?
2: The last pages have never been found, but you will understand. You will know the right thing to do. My son, I can give you life now. I can give you all I've seen, all I know. But what you do with that knowledge, the outcome, will be decided by you. Your mother and I were afraid as well. The morning we sent you away, please, please, Believe in yourself as much as I do.
9: Hi, is this thing on? Hi, my uh, my name's Jimmy Olsen, and I'm reporting live from Metropolis. Superman. Ladies and gentlemen... Superman is dead. That thing, that thing behind me, can you see this? It's blasting a hole into the ground. And there's been a voice saying that they're about to destroy our city. If this is true, if Superman is dead, ladies and gentlemen,
4: this might be the end for all of us. Tizor, do not leave the planet. Kal-El has not been killed. But, Father, I saw him dead. The son of Jor-El lives.
2: In that moment, Superman opens his eyes and sees the woman he loves. He's alive. Superman is alive. But he has a city and a world to save. He takes Lois to safety and tells her to stay put and far away from danger. Then he speeds toward the city to stop Tyzor from turning Metropolis into a crater. When he arrives, the Monster Rouser is hovering loudly. Taizor is inside, piloting the dangerous machine. But Superman is ready, filled with rage and determination. Then the battle begins. Taizor turns the machine around, facing the hero, and begins firing from its dozens of weapons. He's blasted backwards, but quickly recovers. He flies toward the machine, and begins hurling blow after blow. Knocking it violently throughout the street, Inside, Tai Zohr struggles with the controls, trying to combat the impressive hero. Using his X-ray vision, Superman looks inside the Rouser, seeing its intricate inner workings, the weaponry, then the main energy source in the Rouser's underbelly. Then, an idea forms, and Superman suddenly takes off for the sky. A moment later, Superman zooms in with lightning speed and crashes through the machine, obliterating it into a thousand pieces, putting it completely out of commission. Taizor lies amid the massive rubble, broken and dazed, but far from dead. In fact, he's really angry. He strains to get up, dirty and dusty, like a desert warrior, He scans the streets, looking for his nemesis, when he's suddenly tackled by Superman. They land powerfully and begin to battle once more. Tyzor has always had the advantage, but no longer. As much as Tyzor tries to fight in his elegantly brutal, well-trained way, Superman is the stronger and more determined of the two. Yes, it's Superman. Yes, he's an icon of all that is moral and good but that doesn't mean he won't defend himself. And in this kill or be killed scenario, he must be as ruthless and clever as his opponent, which is just what happens. As far as being ruthless is concerned, his attack on Taizor is blow for blow, everything Taizor deserves. A potent combination of speed and might, Superman dominates Tyzor, slamming him with his fists, cracking him hard with his boots, deflecting every defense and shocking Tyzor with his fierce skill. Superman lands five powerful punches in a row, then flips Tyzor into the street. Tyzor lands there, In a daze, as Superman approaches him, a dark, enraged man. I saw it, Tysor.
7: What you did to my mother. I was there, so
2: this, this is for her. Superman grabs Tysor and hurls him into the air. (sighs) Tysor is thrown into a distant building, landing on the roof of the Metropolis Museum. Superman lands beside him, glaring down. Ending your life
7: won't bring back the people you've murdered. What I'm offering you now, you haven't earned. Mercy.
5: You're asking me to turn against my
1: father? Yes, yes, I will go with you. walk at your side. Yes, I'll do it.
2: And Tyzor reaches out for Superman's help with one hand, but with the other, he secretly pulls a Kryptonian blade from his boot's holster. Superman moves closer to take Tyzor's hand, and their hands touch. Superman helps up Tyzor, who then lunges at Superman with his blade, but the hero, anticipating this, purposely falls to his back, rolling. Flipping Tyzor, his throne crashing through the skylight, Tyzor drops through the ceiling upon the enormous, razor-sharp kryptonite, and the giant piece of green rock impales him.
11: This is Lex Luthor. I woke up in the observatory with the biggest headache today. Can you believe that, Lois Lane? I would have to go after her another day. First, I had to track down Ty Zor. That idiot. I practically gave him Kal-El. We had an agreement. I found him in the museum dying, impaled by kryptonite. And then it happened again. Just like in that field with the Kryptonian soldier. Tyzor grabbed me by the neck and while he died another transference it was overwhelming let's just say I'm gonna get that Superman
7: Lois this is hard to explain
8: what's the headline
7: they need me back home
8: Back home?
7: The the planet I'm from.
8: Your planet?
7: Except I don't know how I would help. I only know that they need me.
8: Then you know you have to go. I don't know. Of course you do. You know exactly what you have to do. You have to help.
7: I will see you again. I never got to thank you. For what? For everything.
3: My Clark. My boy. He's done it. He's saved our planet. But now it's time for him to leave. He came to see me in Smallville before he left. His father his Kryptonian father left him a spacecraft. He must have buried it all those years ago when he visited. I watched him, Superman, climb into the craft and and he looked at me one last time. And that look he gave me, the look of a man who knows courage, wisdom, faith, love, and its sacrifice. Then a brilliant light illuminated the farm and the spacecraft began to rise, carrying Superman into the heavens, beginning the journey of his lifetime. I watched as the light lifted into the sky. My heart so Proud of my son.